I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Should old acquaintance be forgot and replaced with a new red wave? Yes, they should. It's high noon for Thursday, December 31st. 2020. Follow the podcast on Parlor and Rumble at I'm Your Moderator, and I'll start putting up more content, I swear. Follow the info stream on the Telegram Messenger app, t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. After you downloaded the app, got it? Good. If you want to join the discussion, t.me slash be reasonable discussion. Very reasonable. All right. So it's the last day of the year. 2020 is almost over. And every basic brained person you know is going to make such a big deal out of it. Oh my God, 2020 is finally over. And. The news anchors on the terrible network New Year's specials will make jokes about how 2020 was so bad. And it's funny because I doubt too many of them have had to experience how bad 2020 was in the way they're pretending to have experienced it. You know, I know a lot of rich people and a lot of people in very nice positions in life. Some of them famous. And I don't really think that they have the right to be saying how bad this year was after they spent it at their vacation homes. After they spent it Continuing to work, even though everyone else's businesses were shut down. Being safe in their big houses or other cities where they don't have to see the rioting and the looting that they support. And they did support it. We have to stop pretending they didn't support it. The worst things done by the left were tolerated by these people. The burning of businesses. Shining lasers in police officers' eyes so that they could blind them. Throwing bricks and soup cans and frozen water bottles at people trying to protect federal buildings and pretending that they were solving racism by doing so. Ignoring rampant gun violence in cities like Chicago 
run by Democrats in a state with a Democrat governor and Democrat senators and the entire pinnacle of the corrupt Democrat machine in control. They ignored it. And instead, they focused on various criminals being killed by police. And by criminals, I mean George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake. All of them are criminals. Period. But the people who will be on television making jokes about how bad 2020 was are the very same people that made it this way. They're the ones out there telling everyone to cower in fear from a disease that kills one or two out of a thousand people, all of them being old with comorbidities. They're the ones putting the death count on TV every day, celebrating every time it hits a new hundred thousand never discussing what the date of death was, what the actual cause of death was, ignoring the fact that the flu is just magically gone now and is definitely not being counted as COVID. Those are the people who make the society this way. They're the people who can shame the commies into believing whatever they want them to believe because the commies are so materialistically oriented that all they care about is advancing toward the goal as it's presented to them by these people. Do this, believe this, look like this, post this, say this, And then maybe you'll get to be part of the club and earn a living. But if you want to be a big part of the club, we're going to require a little bit more from you. You're going to have to go out there and tell people to support corrupt politicians. And you're going to have to make PSAs about how we're all racist. But not you, of course. You're the one admitting you're racist. So you can't be racist, obviously. That's for everybody else who can't admit it. But if you want to be really big and really successful, well, then we're going to have to go ahead and completely compromise you so that we can run your life and tell you what to do all the time and call on you in moments like this one where only the greatest corruption will protect us. And so that's what they're doing. And if you want to end up on a Kardashian level, well, your dad's going to have to get breast implants. Hey, I didn't make the rules. That's just how it is. So they'll tell us that 2020 was 
the worst year ever. And there's some part of them that actually believes that. That this is the end of their trials and tribulations. That now that Trump's gone, everything is going to be just great. They think that they are walking out of hell when they are actually walking straight into it. Because 2020 was a very trying year. And I'm sure it was a very, very bad year for a lot of people who certainly did not deserve what the Democrat Party has done to them. It is one of the greatest moral evils imaginable to take away the ability of people to feed their own children and stay in their homes by making it so that they could not work. Two weeks to slow the spread. That is what they said. And it's nine months later. And California just announced three more weeks of lockdown. To whatever extent anyone is playing along with it. Businesses are. Restaurants in particular. Because the thing about restaurants that's different than other businesses is they have valuable liquor licenses. And if those go away, they're screwed. So the government does have legitimate power over them. And that sucks. But it's the at the point now where people have just got to start standing up and saying that this isn't right. Apparently, Gavin has a war room now where they're out to smear and destroy anyone involved in the recall process and anyone who's going to take him on because he's scared and he should be. The state hates him. Same thing with Garcetti. Same thing with all these Democrat politicians. Everyone's done. Except for those people who are going to be on television and on their social media saying, wow, I can't. I'm so happy that 2020 is over. Yeah, sure you are. I don't have that perspective on 2020, as you might imagine. Now, this year has been filled with frustration and anger. But that frustration and anger is a righteous one. It's not, it's not complaining that we can't go to concerts or movies, or dinners, or work. It's not a simple complaint. That's legitimate, righteous anger about our liberties being trampled by people who do not care about us, even though their entire political party and movement carries around a banner saying that we are the party of caring. We care so much that we will invent entirely new classes of people just to be the ones that care about them. We're going to make 50 plus new genders 
just so that we can tell other people that we're protecting those genders while all those bad, dirty, unwashed Trump supporters are trying to hurt them. It's insane. But this year was an incredible learning experience for me and for so many other people. And it's honestly a joy to watch. The narrative is ours. It's not theirs. They can't control it. They can say it. They can make the people on television say it. And they can make your commie friends believe it. And I know that that's real hard in a place like L.A. because it seems like it's overwhelming. Like the other side has full control. But they don't have any control. And they know that. Their power doesn't come from a just source. Their power is derived from the culture. If they're not in control of the culture, their power goes away, which is why to me, this has always been so much about image. I am so deeply embedded in an image-based culture in Hollywood. I've been witnessing and watching and observing this for over 18 years now, seeing how this place operates. And I'm not saying that this culture gave me nothing. I think I've been clear about this. But I also don't have the same perspective on any of it that I used to. Their worst mistake this year was giving people like me and the people who listen to this show enough time to really pay attention. Because it's easy to forget what to pay attention to when you're involved in your normal life, when you're going about your daily business. You know, some people spend five minutes or 10 minutes. They check some headlines. They see what pops up on their Apple news feed. And that's it. And that describes so many Americans who are out there working for a living, raising families and not wanting culture and politics to dominate their lives. Well, if you give all those people unlimited time to figure out what's really going on in the broader society around them, you're making a bet on everyone being as stupid and ignorant as the people who listen to you. And they made that bet. And they doubled down on that bet and tripled down on it. And they think because they are so bubbled, they are so tightly wrapped inside this little chamber where only the central narrative is blasted in. The state media tells them everything, everything. And all they see is that. Any interference from outside the central narrative is met with anger and derision and shame 
and censorship. They try to take your job. They try to ruin your life. That's what they do. Because they need to silence those voices. They need only their one voice telling everyone how to live. And they gave people too much time. I've said before on this podcast, if they really wanted to pull off the plan that they were trying, they should have had more respect for their enemy. And they should have gone shock and awe. They didn't do that. They tried to keep their plan a secret and execute it anyway. Because they have so much contempt and disrespect for normal people that they thought it would work. Like they think, for instance, that they can say 94% of these ballots went to adjudication. Oh, what's adjudication? Well, that just means that the person operating the machine can determine what the voter really meant. And then that produces a new ballot image. And that's what we save. They think that they can do something like that and that everybody is too dumb to understand what that is. And the way this works is that the people who will reinforce their narrative know so little about the subject that they believe everyone else is as ignorant as they are. And that's covered by the fact that they went to college. Maybe they went to a really nice college. And they've been told and taught and had it drilled into their heads that the people who didn't go to college or didn't go to a college as good as theirs, can't know anything. That is a massive error in judgment. Underestimating your enemy to the degree that they did is exactly the sort of thing that loses wars. And that's what they've done. For five years, they have been conducting a slow-moving coup against the President of the United States. But the coup isn't only directed at the President. It's directed at all of us. This is nothing more than an exercise of power and a very, very evil one. Submit to their will. Submit to believing what they want you to believe or they will destroy you. That's it. That's the whole thing. So watching people wake up to that. Seeing so many people take this extra time and try to really figure out what's going on and what it means to them and refocusing on their values their actual values. That has been a revelation. And perhaps it took a year as messed up as this one for that to happen. 
I know it happened fully for me. I mean, I've been on this path for a few years now. But this is the year when it became bright and clear to me like this. Oh, my God, this is what's happening. Holy shit. I'd be the first to say that I've been caught up in the culture and the society surrounding me for the last 18 years. Again, I've been in the belly of this beast for that long. And it's easy to get caught up. There's so much there that's fun. It's like, whoa, I can do all the fun things all the time. Amazing seats at at sporting events. Well, I love sports. Amazing seats at concerts. Well, I love concerts. The best parties. All of that. It's easy to try to convince yourself that these things hold a bigger meaning than they do. And it's so common out here to just believe that if you show up at the right place and surround yourself with the right people and ingratiate yourself to them, that everything's going to get better. That this thing kind of just happens along a continuous line upward. And eventually you get to the top and everybody's happy. But the thing is, people aren't happy up there either. And that's been another amazing thing about this year. Stepping back so far from the social life here and from the, the people, the culture, all of that in your face the entire time, you learn to live without it and then you realize how meaningless it actually is. I have some wonderful, wonderful friends in Hollywood. And Los Angeles in general. And I wouldn't trade them for anything. And I've met many of them through these channels and these events. But there's a clear difference between those people and the ones who are here enforcing this culture, maintaining this culture, participating in it constantly. Those people are not happy, which is what prepared them so well to be able to hate so clearly as soon as Donald Trump came up. They were given the perfect scapegoat. He represents every single thing about themselves that they hate. They think he's stupid. Actual stupid people think Donald Trump is stupid. Actual racist people think Donald Trump is racist. People actively involved in trying to steal an election. People actively involved in dismantling individual liberties are calling Donald Trump a dictator who's enacting a coup. 
these people have no standing. The standing we give them can be taken away. Steve Bannon had an unbelievable rant yesterday on the afternoon slash evening edition of War Room talking about how the Walmart social media team tried to, I don't know, using internet lingo, slam Senator Josh Hawley for saying that he would object on January 6th. And they said, go ahead, have your two hours. Hashtag sore loser. Really? So I don't want to recap Bannon's thing. You should listen to it yourself. But he made the point that they're employing the same sort of millennial dumbasses that work in the New York Times editorial board or do entertainment reporting. The people who are constantly inflicting a disgusting culture on everyone else are the people who work their social media. Telling Josh Hawley that he's a sore loser and that more than 75 million Americans are sore losers because they can see quite clearly overwhelming evidence of fraud. That's a very bad idea for a company whose entire consumer base are those people. And they can say it was just a social media intern. But the truth is, they have that kind of social media intern because they are participating in the same enforcement of the same corporate culture and the same social culture. And it's not just that they have some 30-year-old saying stupid things. It's that now every Walmart customer knows that in their social media room, this is what they think of Walmart customers. That's the, that's the key. No one out there wants to go shop at a store who employs a social media team that has nothing but contempt and disrespect for them. One of the greatest things about this year and this period and Donald Trump is how much it has exposed about the cultural rot in the United States and exactly where it comes from. The entire old guard is cultural rot. I was talking yesterday about the morality, the individual morality exercised by these people. There will never be a shortage of them. There are always going to be people that will do anything for money, for power, for sex, and to avoid shame. 
And the more shame they mount up, the more harmful it is to them. And they can't face the loss of reputation because reputation is all they've ever tried for. If they had actual human feelings, that reaction would look a lot like that poor woman in Kenosha, Wisconsin, crying on her husband's shoulder because their family business that stood for 60 years was burned down completely by Black Lives Matter Antifa terrorists. That's what they should be expressing when confronted with these things, but that's never what happens. What happens is that they either shut up forever and just go away or they lash out and try to destroy other people. And so what are you supposed to say about this other than they clearly hate themselves? If you can't reconcile your past, if you can't overcome the shame you have for things you might have done, then what do you have? And that's where these people are, man. And I don't think that that's where we are. And I think that that has been one of the most brilliant revelations of this period. We know now what evil exists here and the evil around us. It was hard before to put our fingers on it. And whenever anyone tried, they were always told it was about a group or they were stupid or racist or conspiracy theorists. But it's not any of that. This isn't complex evil. It's just straight up good old fashioned evil. And again, as I was talking yesterday about where we fit into history, these are the same human weaknesses and failings that have afflicted the human race for thousands of years. Joe Biden is a petty thief with a nice title. But his thievery isn't new. His corruption isn't new. His depravity isn't new. And it isn't for any of these other people either. I mean, you could go back to like the seven deadly sins And it describes all of this. This is basic morality. And now we are being reminded that not only do we have the ability to see it, but we have a responsibility to witness it and to say that's wrong and to provide space for others to be able to say it as well. It is amazing how the left tried to recast morality 
as something that you can force upon people. That's where we've been for so long. We're talking about 30, 40 years maybe of this, maybe longer. But that shit's coming to an end, man. The narrative is over 50%. It's not going back the other direction, no matter what they do. And the truth is they're going to get more extreme and they have to. Like I said, they should have gone shock and awe at the beginning. Instead, they tried to do it carefully so no one would ever know so that they could just seamlessly move back into the phase that ended in 2016. But they failed at that. We created other platforms. And I don't mean me, myself. I mean this movement. And we'll create a new film industry. We'll create a new music industry. No one on our side needs to depend on them. Again, we are the majority. We were silent because we all said, yeah, you know, I mean, I know that this is wrong, but I can't speak up because, you know, I got my job or like my friends are just going to give me such shit. And like, I don't know. I just that's a matter of self-confidence only. Only. Once you get the self-confidence to know that you can take care of yourself and that you will be okay, you no longer need to be silent. You are not morally wrong. You are not factually wrong. And you don't have to shut up for these people anymore. That time is over. That's what this year has brought us. This isn't the worst. This is the darkness before the dawn. I say and keep saying American Renaissance. I believe that fully and I have for months. You know, the people in a certain internet community often say nothing can stop what is coming. And I don't always know what they mean when they're saying that, but I can tell you what I mean when I'm saying it. Nothing can stop what is coming. People's eyes are open. I talked yesterday about how Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi were powwowing about how to change the rules so that they could make it so that this objection on the 6th wouldn't happen. And that's an awfully interesting thing to do if they're also correct in telling us that the 6th doesn't make any difference and it's all over. That's real strange to set out a contingency plan for something that can't happen, isn't it? It's almost like they know that it can happen. And that the media is just continuing to lie to us. This doesn't take some galaxy brain thinking to understand that. That's just basic. Like I wouldn't be setting up contingency plans in case someone tried to put me in a, uh, a time machine 
Oh no, what am I going to do if I get stuck in a time machine? I would be crazy if I was doing that. Although now that I think about it, maybe I'll just give it a little bit of thought in case I end up in a time machine. Maybe I'll have to carry around like a flint and stone in my pocket now just so I can make fire in case I go back too far. But no, McConnell and Pelosi would not be needing to make contingencies if January 6th couldn't present them massive problems. And of course it can. If the country hears any of this, any of the evidence at all, they're fucked. The percentages of people believing in election fraud would skyrocket immediately. And their reaction is going to be exactly what we expect. Anger, shame, derision, and violence. Now, here is a tweet from a member of the mainstream media named Kurt Eichenwald. He is uh, a New York Times guy who writes books. He's very important. So his Twitter name is Kurt Masks Save Lives Eichenwald. He actually has that written on his Twitter. He might as well just have his pronouns there. But he tweeted, it's at a moment like this, I want to find an anti-masker and beat them to death. Since they believe they have the right to kill others, they have surrendered any right to object. And then he hashtagged categorical imperative. Now, see, Kurt, I was a philosophy major and I actually went to a pretty good school. Not that it's required. I could have just read Kant on my own. And so can any of you go pick up Kant. You can find out what the categorical imperative is. But the categorical imperative, if I can say that correctly, is that the only thing to do morally is something that could be universalized. Right? So if you're going to steal from a store, for instance, you can't morally do that unless you also believe that everyone should be allowed to steal from stores. All right. So your own personal moral decision to make the right one, you would have to want everyone to be doing that as well. That's the categorical imperative. So what he's saying is that by us not wearing masks, or being anti-mask, then we are actually murderers. We are killing people, is what he says. And so by rights, by moral right, he's allowed personally to kill us. That is not how the categorical imperative works. Kurt's going to find himself on the wrong side of that if he tries it. And hopefully he's too much of a pussy to do that. 
which is what you have to imagine because he's a journalist talking about beating people to death while it says masks save lives in his name on Twitter. Oh, saving lives is what you care about, Kurt? Got it. This is the world that these commies and maskies want. And here is their feckless leader, Joe Biden, tweeted out today. We can save 60,000 to 100,000 lives in the weeks and months ahead if we step up together. Wear a mask. Stay socially distanced. Avoid large indoor gatherings. Each of us has a duty to do what we can to protect ourselves, our families, and our fellow Americans. Well, all right, Joe. Let's see. A couple months before the election, you said 200,000 more people were going to die before the election. Closer to the election, you said 200,000 more people were going to die before the end of the year. Now, 60 to 100,000 people could be saved in the weeks and months ahead. Well, which is it? Is it 60,000 or is it 100,000, Joe? I mean, you're using the science, aren't you? You can't narrow it down anymore for us. It's either this number or a number 66% higher. Hmm. Okay, very science there. Now, you also say in the weeks and months ahead. So is it weeks or months? Is it three weeks, Joe? Is that how quickly everybody's going to die? Or is it six months? How many people are going to die, Joe? Have we, uh, have we gotten a grasp on this yet? And are these just deaths with COVID? Are they tested before or after they die? Did they also have heart attacks or car crashes? Or are these just deaths, Joe, that you're just making up? It is difficult for me to even imagine the kind of person so stupid that they would read this and think, oh, yeah, he's so safe and knowledgeable. He's very science, but that's what they do. They retweet it. They tell everybody else, hey, I'm saving your life. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm saving your life. I know. I know. I'm out of state. I'm at my other house, but you guys just keep going. I'm saving your life. No, I know that person just broke into your car, but it's to solve racism. So please don't complain about that or else we'll elect a district attorney that will never prosecute any more crimes. Because Lord knows the problem with crime is prosecuting it. It's not doing the crime. It's prosecuting the crime. That is what destroys societies. That's oppression. We can't have the same rules for everyone. We just can't. Why? Well, because of black people. Oh, really? These people's morality is so twisted. It's so sick. We do not have to keep pretending that their outlandish explanations for things suffice any longer. You know, the adjudication thing that I was talking about, 
These people actually just think, well, yeah, I don't know how adjudication works, but I'm sure I could just go to the New York Times and they'll tell me exactly what I need to know. And because I'm on the team that goes to the New York Times, I'm smart. And if I don't know, someone else is going to be around near me that is going to know. And if they don't know, at least they'll agree with me. And together, we're going to silence that other person. So the truth is, I don't even actually need to read the article in the New York Times. I can just know that a New York Times article does exist, explaining why 94% adjudication isn't a problem. And I'll just accept that. That's what these people's knowledge base amounts to. That's why you can quiz them. And when you quiz them, you never have to back down. Just keep asking questions. Go down and down and down and down and down and try to get to something rooted. Quiz them. They will not be able to respond. They will get angry quickly. And the truth is, if they can respond and their responses are interesting, listen to them because you might learn something new. That's how knowledge advances. That's an excellent option. It's okay if they don't agree with you. If you're learning, it's not okay if they're trying to demean you and silence you. So quiz them. They will not have answers. They don't care about the answers. They care about the power systems in culture enforcing their views. And if they don't agree with the power systems in culture, well, they'll just change their minds. But we're not doing that. And that's what 2020 has showed us. And so in 2021, we are going to live that. This is the first year of a new age. And we are going to usher in the American Renaissance and it will be beautiful. We are nearly to the top of the mountain. We just have to keep climbing, be patient Be alert, keep your faith, find the strength. The country is worth it. Your family's worth it. Our society is worth it. And your personal liberty is worth it. So stop pretending it's not at stake. It is at stake. Keep fighting. 2021 is the beginning of the American Renaissance. 2020 was a difficult year, but we're on the verge of something great. Happy New Year. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never, never, never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. 
The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!